Good morning. How are we doing? Can you hear me? To say I'm pumped about what God is going to speak to us this morning is an understatement. Who's alive? At the moment, we're in a series on worship. And my desire and my hope is that we just don't emphasize worship in July. And then in August, we emphasize another value and our worship decreases. Our, our, our desire and my goal is that we actually continue to build on the revelation on these areas of worship that we've been talking about and it becomes the new normal. So that when August comes, we've got a new normal, we've got a new foundation. <clears throat> During the week, I just felt this fire burning within me and excited about what God was going to say this morning. And that wasn't amazing, but I didn't have a message. <laughs> and this morning, no, I'm kidding. A few days ago, I got the message, which was amazing. But I just felt as the week went on, this burning passion, this, this, this energy that God had put in my heart, that literally there's something that is going to be released this morning through the Word of God that's going to change our lives. For what we're journeying through as a people, as a season here, literally, if we embrace what the Lord is saying this morning, it has the potential to change our life. Why don't we pray this morning? Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. We give you full permission to remove any unhealthy filters any destructive mindsets, anything that would want to stand the way in and for us to receiving what you would have to say to us this morning. We say that we surrender to you and Lord, may you speak clearly and we open up our lives to receive everything that you would have for our lives. If you agree with that, say amen. If you got your Bibles, if you can turn to, turn to Psalm 137. Psalm 137. Psalm 137, I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. It says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars or the willow trees we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of Zion. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. Verse 4. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jeru Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Verse 1 again, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept as we remembered Zion. There on the willow trees we hung our harps. The context of this psalm is incredible 
because here there's a nation of Israel that have been taken captive. Here they are, they're in the most devastating, most difficult season in their lives. It's not just a season, but literally their whole livelihoods, everything has been been devastated. Here someone has come in, they're literally prisoners of war, POWs, in a foreign land. And here as these people are, are mourning their devastation, as they're confused, as they're disappointed, as they're in pain and in anguish, the psalmist says their response is this, we're going to hang up our harps. We're going to hang up our song. We're going to hang up. The, the circumstances that have happened in our life have been such an extent that we no longer have a song. We no longer have worship. We no longer have praise to God. This is fascinating. The harp, the one thing that they used to worship, to praise God and experience joy, experience freedom and all these things to their eternal God, all of a sudden, they're in circumstances. How many know this is pretty rough circumstances? This is not just a bad day. Their family has been killed, most likely, that their livelihoods have been devastated, they've been moved, captured into a foreign land. And here they say, do you know what? We're going to put our worship into retirement. We no longer have the energy. We no longer are going to make a choice to worship. We're no longer going to find that song. It's just too hard. And, and, and the Bible says they sit there on the banks of the river and they mourn. How many know that they have a right to feel pretty devastated? The psalm here gives us some descriptive language about what they were saying. They're saying that the devastation is so deep. They're saying, let my tongue never, what does it say? It says, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. May my right hand forget its skill. This is some pretty desperate people that have said, hey, life has given us such bad circumstances that we're no longer going to find our song. Verse 4, it says, How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? The King James Version says, in a strange land. How can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? How many know that the last two years have been pretty strange? As I reflect on the last couple of years and as I talk to people, I think the, the common thought is that the last two years have been strange. They've been unprecedented. I definitely can't remember living through times in, in, in my life like this. And the ones I'm talking to agree. 
we've had a, a couple of years of a, a worldwide pandemic full of confusion, full of fear, full of uncertainty. We've had political issues on a worldwide scale. We've had social issues. We've had this whirlwind of issues that one would say, hey, this is foreign. This is a strange environment. Maybe we're not here in the same circumstances that the nation of Israel was in Psalm 137, but there's some similarities. We don't understand what's going on. Maybe there's pain, maybe there's hurt. Uncertainty, disappointment, depression, anxiety, fear. How many came to church for a good sermon this morning and you're feeling depressed? It gets better, just, just wait, don't leave yet. But if we, if we fast forward a couple of, quite a few hundred years, we see that there was another group of people that had some pretty ordinary circumstances as well. They were in the midst of pain. Actually, this group of people was a small group. Actually, it was only two people. It was two men found in Acts chapter 16. And these two men's names were Paul and Silas. And they found themselves in some devastating circumstances. You see, Paul and Silas had been called by God. God had clearly spoken to them to go and share the gospel, preach the gospel. And they had been diligently following what the Lord had said. And they find themselves, in Acts chapter 16, they find themselves in prison. Not only in prison, but they find, find themselves being flogged, beaten, they're busted, they're starving, they're cold, they're in prison, they're isolated. All for doing the right thing. I can imagine that this was probably the worst moment in their life. Thinking that most likely they weren't going to live to see the next day. See, we read these stories and we know the ending and we're just like, come on, Paul, just get over it. It's like, no, 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 no. In that moment, he thought that was the end. In that moment, that was like, this is the end. This is my life. I'm isolated, they were physically in chains, they were in a dungeon, it wasn't like the prisons that we're used to. There was no Xbox, there was no meals. This was a dungeon, rat-infested dungeon, in, in, in the dark of the night. And as I read this story about Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, I was thinking about, hey, what about if their perspective was just like our friends in Psalm 137? If their perspective was like Israel in Psalm 137, I'm sure in the dark of the night, maybe they had a conversation like this. Maybe they would have said, hey, hey, Silas, you still awake? 
And maybe they would have started to, to talk about the pain that they were going through being in this prison. And maybe Silas would have turned to Paul and says, hey, if we ever get out of this prison, let's tone it down a bit. Let's just back back a little bit on this whole, you know, aggressively preaching the gospel. Let's tone it back a bit. Let's just fly under the radar for a bit. And I can imagine if they had the same perspective as the nation of Israel in Psalm 137, maybe they said, hey, how does this make sense? How does this make sense that God has called us We're diligently preaching. We're diligently doing the very thing that he's called us to do and he can't even protect us. How does this make sense? And you can imagine if that was their perspective that these were the conversations that would have went on. Disappointment. The feeling that God had let them down. The feeling of of just not understanding why Did God have to allow them to be flogged, their their bodies busted, and all these things happen physically and change and probably the demise of their life for following God? But how many know that Paul and Silas actually had a different perspective? The crazy thing is that Paul and Silas, their perspective was not connected to their pain. Let me say that again. Paul and Silas had such a perspective that was not connected to their pain. It meant that their pain was not dictating their perspective. Their perspective was connected to their purpose. Their perspective was connected to their purpose. And I'm sure that as Paul and Silas were in that prison that night, I'm sure Paul leaned over to Silas and said, hey, let's unleash the greatest weapon. And at that moment, as they started to praise God, I believe the enemy was there saying this, because he comes to all of us and he says stuff like this. He starts to whisper lies and he says, hey, if God was really good, why are you here? If God is such a good God, if he's so merciful, why has this happened to you? Why are you in pain if you're following God? And I believe that in that moment, in that jail, as they started to start praising God, the enemy was still there saying, hey, you're wasting your time. You've done this before and it hasn't worked. Maybe the enemy was just filling them full of unbelief and questioning the character of God. How is it possible that they can be in such pain and there be a good God? You see, but Paul and Silas had a different perspective. They didn't get caught up in all the whys and the why nots. They just unleashed the greatest weapon that they had, which was worship. In 
in the midst of mystery, in the midst of lack of understanding, and actually against human reasoning, Paul and Silas started to praise. They started to lift up praise that was going opposite to everything they were feeling and and in the midst of. They started to lift up praise because praise was their greatest weapon. Worship was their greatest weapon. And all of a sudden, in that moment, their worship started to erupt from earth to heaven. And how many know that there was a response from heaven to earth? The Bible says that place was actually shaken. And their chains were broken in that moment as the foundations of that prison were shaken. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, well, I've been worshiping. Nothing's changing. I've been praising God in the middle of my pain. Nothing's working. This thing doesn't work. I believe that the Lord wants to encourage you this morning with these simple words, do not stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. I'll ask if the worship team can come up. Just over nine months ago, we went down the street. I can't remember what we're doing, maybe for breakfast. A haircut, that's right. It was my haircut. And we came back with a baby. And our son was born unexpectedly early. And a week before that, we had three prophetic words given to us. It was exactly the same verse. It was First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Mel read it this morning. And three times the Lord was speaking this to us and we had no clue what it was for. It's a f- familiar verse that says, Rejoice always, pray continually, and in everything give thanks. And I remember, like, I think it was the night before Judah unexpectedly was born, I was sitting to Rachel and saying, what is all this about? This rejoice always, pray continually, and with everything give thanks. We're just like, I don't know, it's a great verse, well, I don't know, maybe we can put it up on the fridge. And ever since Judah's been born, there's been like a target on his life. And within a few days after things were getting a bit bumpy after his birth, a big part of why we named him Judah was because of this, because obviously it means praise. It was the promise that God had given us in everything, give thanks. About six weeks after he was born, Rachel and Judah were still in hospital and she rang me and said, oh, 
the doctors want to run more tests and they're thinking there's other things wrong with him and all this stuff. And we just decided in that moment, we're just not going to be impressed by the enemy. Now, now hear me, the, the doctors aren't the enemy, by the way. Um, <laughs> we want to thank the health, uh, the, the health care because with the medical staff and by God, our son is alive today. But what we couldn't do was be impressed by the enemy. And we made our mind up six weeks, about six weeks after he was born, no matter what happens, we're not going to be impressed by the enemy. And one night I came home from the hospital, it was late, and Mia and Tom, our other two kids, were waiting at home with Grandma. And, you know, things were a bit bumpy there for a while. And Mia came into the room and, I was just sort of trying to get a bit of space and she said, Daddy, is Judah going to die? And I said, no, no, he's not going to die. Then she said, well, what if he does? Now, that was a harder question for me because both of them were looking up to me to say, what are you going to do? What are we going to do if he does die? And I said, well, it doesn't change anything. See, for months before, we'd been turning on worship music and dancing in the house, of course, with the curtains closed. Dancing around with the kids and and just having an amazing time. All of a sudden, my kids wanted to know, what about if he dies? I said, "It, it, 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 it doesn't change anything. And so in that moment, late at night, we turned the music up and we turned it up loud. We turned on our favorite song, which was Raise a Hallelujah. And as the kids were crying, we're bouncing around the room and the house and just giving God praise in the moment of pain. I'm not standing up here saying, hey, I'm on the A1 model to do this. Every day we've got to get up and choose that we're not going to be impressed by the enemy. And there's more things. I mean, I mean the, 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 the fight over Judah's life's not finished. We're still living in that right now. But there is something about, and maybe you're here and you're like, hey, Ben, my story is so much harder than yours. And I really do get that. During the last, even the last couple of weeks, we've had so many people that are close to us have come and spoken and shared things that they're dealing through pain. Things that are so much tougher than things I've actually walked through. And I don't understand that. But one thing I do know is we can't stay here. In the misery, in mystery, in, in, in not understanding things, we just can't stay here. Because if we stay in that place, we just keep going down. We have to pick up our weapon. We have to pick up this weapon. The greatest weapon, one of the greatest weapons is worship. And in the face of uncertainty, in the face of disappointment, we've got to give him a sacrifice of praise. The thing is that with worship, it not only glorifies him, but it intimidates the enemy. There's nothing like someone who's got their, their, their backs against the wall and just giving him the highest praise.
So this morning, we're going to sing this song, Raise a Hallelujah. And what we're going to do is, Grant's going to turn the sound up a few more dBs. We're going to jump up on our feet in a moment. And I encourage you to put this stuff, this pain that you're going through now, you don't have to understand it before you give Him praise. But I encourage you to put it all in front of you. We're not denying that it exists. In the middle of it, we're giving Him the highest sacrifice of praise. And in the middle of pain, in the middle of devastation, maybe you're just like caught up in this whirlwind of, hey, my life is just not making any sense. There's so much uncertainty. There's disappointment. There's pain. There's relational issues. There's financial problems. There's marriage dysfunction. Whatever it is, put it in front of you and give Him the highest praise. We're going to worship Him in this place. I hope that we, we lift the roof off this place. Put everything you can in front of you. Why don't we stand together? If you can. We're going to raise a, 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 a shout to Him this morning. We're going to worship Him. Amen.